Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Outside of text messages, I haven't spoken to my buddy Tom Keegan in way too long. Tom is now the sports columnist at the Boston Herald, but he and I go back to not long after he was named sports editor of the Lawrence Journal World, where he covered the University of Kansas. The Lawrence Cable Channel wanted to launch a new locally driven sports talk show called The Drive, and we were part of the four-person cast. Four became three, and then five years ago, WIBW 13 in Topeka bought the show and pared the cast down to just the two of us. Then in the fall of 2018, Tom took a new job and jetted off to Boston, but I figure we did more than 350 weekly episodes together. The Drive, by the way, just wrapped season 14 with me and Scott Chasen, also of the 24-7 Sports Network, as my new partner. I respect Tom so much because he's an agile reporter. He's covered Major League Baseball, college sports, and now all the sports in his new city of Boston, traveling from coast to coast during a remarkable career. And he's fearless, whether it's calling for a college coach to be fired or going against the stream of popular public opinion, such as writing earlier this year that it was time for the New England Patriots to part ways with Tom Brady. Now let's call Tom the man who may have run Tom Brady out of Boston. Hello. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just laying low, trying to stay away from people. Yeah, no kidding. It's weird. Yeah, it's just this whole thing's strange. How are you filling your time? You're still working? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I came up with... uh, an idea to have uh, the 10 best, a reverse countdown of the 10 best athletes in Boston history. Um, so I'm starting that. And then uh, obviously the Tom Brady free agency got me through a lot of days. Yeah. That was uh, interesting to say the least. So, but, but I mean, eventually, especially if the teams are not cooperating and making players available, uh, which there's some of that going on, which is unbelievable to me. Here's a great chance for players to use their platform to preach messages about about coronavirus safety and about uh, just their teams, you know, keep their teams in the public consciousness. But you know how PR people are these days. No, oh, no, I know. They just want to avoid anything other than dribbling, shooting, tackling, all that. Yeah, they're, they think uh, the mo- typical modern, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, uh, the typical modern PR person thinks that it stands for prevention of reporting and not public relations. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Well, as we record this, Marcus Smart of the Celtics has tested positive. This NBA thing is what really woke us up, man. This was like, these dudes have it, and they're spreading it amongst themselves, and I think that struck home to everyone. It definitely. I mean, be, that was it. When Rudy Gobert, uh, it came out that he was positive, and 
And I think, you know, the fact that he had touched all the equipment because he was kind of joking about it was actually fortunate in, in spreading the message that this is real. And uh, Because really, think about how the country viewed this until Rudy Gobert. Total, total different. That was the point. That was definitely the turning point on this whole deal in our country. There's no question about it. In this Tom Brady situation, I don't think it's by chance that you moved to Boston a couple of years ago. You, you get to cover a Super Bowl, and then he decides to leave town. I think this is all intertwined. It could be. I actually was kind of the lone voice in the wilderness uh, saying that, you know, as soon as the season was over, I wrote a column that got put on the front page saying it's time to cut ties with Tom Brady. Oh, I bet you were popular. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I, I really think if I could brand my column, I think I would call it The Truth Hurts because <laughs> I, I just write the truth as I see it and then uh, watch the uh, panic after uh, people read it. I, I think I think of you as the Jack Nicholson of sports journalism. You can't How's handle that? the truth. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You, gotta, you just got to write the truth. But I think that he really tailed off at the end of last year. When you're 42 and you tail off, I think you, you've got to pay more attention to that. And they, even, even without Brady, they've got salary cap trouble. So, I mean, and they got a lot of areas that need upgrading. So why not see what uh, former Big 12 quarterback Jared Stidham can do? Oh, His first year at Auburn was second-team All-SEC. I, I know, I know, he's pretty, he's pretty good, but Tom Brady is, uh, I, he's just a guy that wins. You know, you look at him, he's just so unathletic. He's such a dork. I'm sorry, Boston fans, he's <laughs> such a dork. I mean, they just showed him, I saw a video of him on Twitter, and he's got a hoodie on, okay, but he's got it tied tight to his neck. And I'm like, who does that? Don't yeah, do that, yeah. Tom Brady. Really? It's just, Isn't life a fashion model? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't explain that at all. I can't explain how he is such an incredible quarterback because, you know, he just doesn't seem to fit the current style of football. But, but he is. But he's also aging. And it's. we just went through it in Manhattan, Kansas with Bill Snyder. There comes a time when things can't go on as they've been. You just have to switch course. And in, I'm certainly not comparing Kansas State football and its importance to the New England Patriots and what it means to that whole region in which you now live. But life goes on, and Kansas State football went on, and I think the Patriots still got the best coach in the game. They'll be okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad analogy at all because Bill Snyder was to that region of the country what Tom Brady was to this region of the country. And, you know, you can't quite figure out why he was the best when you break it down, but I think that that one thing is that the super quick processor, yes, which is part of him having a super quick release. That's more than just a physical thing. I mean, for a guy who's as slow a foot as he is to not have sex, it's just incredible. And he had that pocket presence, and he just knew exactly where to step and just got rid of the ball in such a hurry. But now at this point in his career, I think he's giving up a little sooner on every play because he doesn't want to get rocked. Yeah. That's more on his mind than it ever has been. And look, we can understand that. We, we uh, 
uh, felt a little more physically vulnerable at the age of 42 than we did when we were in our 20s and 30s. So I understand it, but it's a fact. I just think that uh, that's part of the problem he has now, and that's only going to get worse. That's not going to get better. No, and great quarterbacks, uh, what they do is so finite, so exact, and you talk about the processing. So much of what he makes him great is done in the film room, preparation, intelligence, understanding things. But if he does have that slowest deterioration of reaction time, it can make a big difference. And we saw it with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes this year. He injured his knee, has a sprained ankle, and he wasn't quite the same until the playoffs when he was much more healthy. They got the week off, luckily, and he got healthy and he kind of came back to normal and kind of make those miraculous plays that he does. But when he was just a little bit dinged, he was just a, a lot less special. Uh, he was still pretty good, but you can see the difference. Yeah, and that's why I think uh, Andy Reid has always been this way, but I think more so now than ever, he will put a priority on, on making sure they have a great offensive line. He always loved yeah. drafting offensive linemen. He's going to even ramp that up even more because of what you just said, the difference between a guy – who's feeling 100% or close to 100% physically and feeling 70% is huge. Yeah, it really is. We got to know each other when you were the sports columnist, sports editor in Lawrence, Kansas, home of the University of Kansas. So you probably have some thoughts on how this basketball season ends. First of all, it would, you know, I'm covering the Big 12 tournament like we always used to do together. I had to cover the first night because Kansas State sucked this year. And uh, it was, as it turned out, Kansas State played the final Big 12 basketball game of the season. Uh, it was crazy. You know, we cover a game, and by the next morning, everything is shut down. It happened so quickly. But Kansas was the definitive number one team in the country when college basketball ended. And they think they're going to hang a banner. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that as someone who's covered Kansas basketball and has now stepped away from it. Well, I really had a feeling that this was going to be Kansas's year and that they would win the national title. But if they hang a banner, that dilutes even more the value of the three banners, one on the court, right. and do the two banners hanging for the Helms Foundation 10 years after the fact, awarding them national titles. To my way of thinking, Kansas has three national titles. That's a ton. They have an unbelievable history. But let's just keep it to where that history is about what actually was accomplished on the court. I mean, they hang a banner this year. That would be, I would think, embarrassing. And I'm very much against that. Do you think it'll actually happen? I do. I do. I think I think they'll pull a Central Florida and just claim it themselves and put it up there. Oh. Seems to be movement afoot. And, you know, the thing is, is college basketball is one of the sports. Most of the sports are this way, unlike uh, previous years in college football, where you actually decide things on the court, on the field, in a competitive matchup. Back in the day, college football would go to rankings. That's just how they did it. I, I never liked it. You'd end up with co-champions. But this is a sport that always has been decided on the court, and you just can't go back and reinvent it. I just don't see how you can do that. No, that's terrible. I, I, I'd like to think that won't happen. I just uh, feel very strongly that that would – I mean, I covered a team that, that won it all. You know, the yeah. – uh, 
2008. Right. And that, that, to me, that cheapens what they did. Or if you're going to say that this is the equivalent of that, come on, that's crazy. Uh, at that 2008 banner they won, there were four number one seeds in the final four. I believe that was the only year that was the case. And they won that. So that is incredible. In 1988 with Danny and the Miracles, incredible. And now you're going to, in 1952, those guys uh, were famous forever. Many of them living in Lawrence or did until they passed. And, uh, you know, and now you're going to think that, that this year, 2020, is going to be considered in the same light? No, I don't think so. I agree. I agree. It, And I feel poorly for the athletes, the coaches. This was a really good Kansas team. I don't think it was one of the better teams I've seen. They just had some nice parts. I think college basketball as a whole stunk this year. I think moving the three-point line back hurt the product. Kids aren't good enough on the whole to hit that shot, and they kept shooting that shot. It allowed defenses to sink back into the paint and actually lowered the score and lowered the uh, kind of the beauty of the sport because it, it had the opposite of the intended effect. And, and I don't know. I think they played with – they moved it back too far. Um, but don't you think that they'll adjust? And I, I know part of the reason NBA guys are able to adjust is because that's their job. They right. have uh, fresh out of college, plus they're a year stronger, and they're in an age where you it's still – you know, matters, but but they their job they can have a shooting coach and practice that shot forever. College kids have to go to class and uh, aren't as physically strong. But I bet if they, you know, psychologically the line is moved back and that's a shot, kids will be practicing right. for more and more years. I think it'll get a little better each year. You know, that's kind of my point that for their whole lives as a basketball player, as a kid, you've towed up to that three point line at nineteen nine, and then they moved a little bit back. And that's what you shot. You Your muscle memory was set for there, and now you just backed up almost two feet, and it's a whole different shot. But you look at guys that have been in the NBA or the developmental league. I'm, I'm thinking of Dean Wade from Kansas State, who didn't shoot a lot of deep threes as a big man at Kansas State. And now, you know, he's in Canton, Ohio. And, you know, I just watch him shoot these things. I'm like, man, I, it just looks beautiful, and you're so much deeper than you used to be. You just, you're right. It's about repetition and muscle memory and getting to do it more often. But anyhow, I, I think this Kansas team was good, not great, but um, was probably the best team in the nation at season's end. I think they were great. What made them great was they made every other team play lousy because right. they were so good defensively. They could, if you, oh, they've always defended the paint well. Uh, he believes in hard fouls, you know, to make people a little skittish coming into the paint so that when you don't foul them, they're still skittish and they hurry up and they miss it. But but this team defended the perimeter great as well. And, uh, I, I just think they made other teams look so lousy. But Dean Wade, how good, how good do you have to be to play in the NBA? That's, exactly. It, that just demonstrates it, man. We. What didn't Dean Wade do great? And he's not in the NBA. That just blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think he will be eventually. I think it's going to take some time for him maybe to acclimate. Maybe he's just not athletic enough. And even with that said, he's pretty darn athletic. He really yeah. is. I think he'll eventually land somewhere. He just he can stroke it deep, and he's a six ten kid who, you know, that's just a asset to have on your team. 
And Kansas, the thing it did so well is with Azubuki, they can just defend the rim, and that allows Bill Self to take chances on the perimeter with his four other guys and get into the open court. When he doesn't have the rim defender, he's got to back off the chances a little bit. They drop defensively, and they're less effective. And Azubuki was really good. I couldn't believe he wasn't first-team All-American. He was really, really good this season. Yeah, he was. The last weight helped him a lot. And, you know, it's too bad that, uh, you know, so many players will be in the NBA from teams across the country, so you can't do this. But it'd be kind of cool if they started next year's basketball season with a, with an NCAA tournament from last year and then, then just get on with a portion of the season. And But you can't do that, but it would have been would have been cool to watch. It's just a... Ashamed to not have an NCAA tournament. Unbelievable. Yeah, it stinks. It really stinks. It's just, I mean, we should be in it right now. I mean, we there should be games. As we record this, there should be games on the TV, and there's not. And it's just awful. Yeah, and I think that uh, a lot of coaches were on the hot seat. Right now, schools aren't thinking about anything like no. that. A lot of guys who would have been fired are still going to have their jobs one more year so. Good for them. Yeah, it's it's quite the change out there. Do you feel like that Bruce Weber might have been fired? Nah, no, nah. no, no. I look. Uh, he won the Big Twelve last year. I mean, he and right. Chris Beard at, at Texas Tech ended that long run. Was it fourteen years that Kansas had won the Big Twelve title or shared it? Uh, that ended. Yeah, he's won two Big 12 titles. He's gone to an Elite Eight. You know, one down season like this um, has been tough to handle. But, Tom, because of this coronavirus, he's the first Kansas State coach to end on a victory since 1971 when they didn't have postseason conference tournaments. And you could lose your last game of the season, not get in the NCAA tournament, your season's over, and that's what happened to Jack Hartman in his first year. Wow. So, no, he has- He's actually had a good run at Kansas State, but he's never – I don't think his popularity has been as good as his success. You think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah. He's not a personality that you flock to. You know, some, yeah. certain coaches, you respect them because they're great coaches. Well, Bill Belichick and Bill Snyder, never known for their personalities, but people love them because they win. And Bruce just isn't – hate to use this word – infectious with his personality but he has gotten results but the results have been up and down it's been a real roller coaster ride and people are ready to go back up after an 11 win season so it's not good yeah i saw him play uh, marquette early in the year on tv and i didn't think they would have this bad a season uh uh kent state but eh, i don't know yeah well it when you have depleted talent and you don't play hard and you don't listen to your coach. That pretty much sums up my athletic career now that I think about that sentence right there. Um, you don't have good results. And that's just what happened to Kansas State basketball. Yeah. You have such a fascinating background in this industry. You have been in New York, L.A., now you're in Boston. You spent a lot of time in, in Lawrence in the Midwest. You've really had a remarkable career, haven't you? Well, yeah. It is um, uh, Chris Lazzarino, who... Uh, writes for the KU Alumni Magazine, used to work in Florida as a sports writer at Fort Lauderdale, I think it was. And Dave O'Brien, a friend of his and a friend of mine, covers the Braves. And he said (laughs) that Obi said to him, 
that guy has the strangest career of any sports writer. <laughs> it's true. And I never really thought about it, but I covered baseball in New York, Chicago, Baltimore, and uh, L.A., first L.A. So it was L.A., Chicago, Baltimore, New York. So the three biggest cities uh, covering baseball. And then I go to Kansas for 13 years, cover exclusively college sports. Now I'm in Boston covering pretty much all pro sports. So it's it's like, who else does that? And I think I just go for a while, uh, wear out my welcome, and pick up my bags and go somewhere else. You're good at that. People are like, Tom left. Good. I said that on our TV show. We did a TV show 13 and a half years ago. I looked at my new, much younger, much better looking uh, cohort on there, co-host, and said, I don't miss Tom. That's how I signed off the season. I don't miss Tom at all. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think, you know, there's people out there taking things seriously. Why did he say that about nice Tom? He's such a nice guy. No, he's not. He's not. I sat with him. He, no, no, we, they we, weren't we'd go to commercial break and he would just start cursing at me for no reason. <laughs> Actually, what people did when you said that is they looked at each other and said, you know what? Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have great stories. But the thing about when you tell the stories, like what years were you in Los Angeles? I was in Los Angeles from 81 to 89. So I covered... Uh, the Kirk Gibson home run, I covered uh, Oral Hershiser's 59 consecutive scoreless innings. I was a beat writer, same age as all those guys, and I covered every single night game of the regular season, every road game, and every postseason game. Uh. So I covered like 144 regular season games. I took the 18 day games off so that my backup would not get comfortable writing on deadline. No, oh, nice. That makes you irreplaceable. Yes. Very wise. Preservation tactic. Very wise. But when you tell me stories about your time in L.A. when you were in reality in your 20s and maybe 30s, I don't know, uh, I still see you in your current form. Like when I visualize you talking to Tommy Lasorda, I see Tom Keegan now, but you're there with Tom Lasorda. Kind of like Morgan Freeman. In my mind, you're like Morgan Freeman. You're the same age all the time. Wow. Well... This story will disavow you in that okay. note because uh, my first year on the beat, I had been a backup for a couple of years, but you know how it is. Uh, managers aren't going to bother to get to know backups. So uh, my first year was 88 as a full-time beat guy. And Lasorda was really giving me the rookie treatment, not paying any attention, would never call me by name and uh, would just be kind of nasty. And then uh, – the older writers told me, you do not play basketball with Lasorda. He's a, he will cheap shot you, he'll punch you, he'll help you in the throat. And I thought, well, I'm going to play and see for myself. And uh, I happen to have been hitting every shot that day. And one shot, I go up, he cups his hands and winds up and punches me as hard as he can in the stomach. And not only did I not call a foul, but the shot went, went in. And from that point uh, forward, Lasorda called me by name, uh, answered my questions, and and uh, it was really a turning point for my relationship with Lasorda, as strange as that sounds. In other words, if you let him play by his rules, uh, you can uh, have access to him. That's so Italian. That's just... <laughs> so... 
hey, come here. Let me punch you in the gut. You know, I mean, it's just. <laughs> and then my my mom, the next year, I think it was, uh, my mom and dad came down to spring training. I introduced them to, to, uh, to Lasorda. And he says to my mother, whose name was Hetty, I hate to break it to you after all these years, Hetty. But you brought the wrong baby home from the hospital. There's no way your son Tommy is not Italian. <laughs> hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. What's Boston like right now with this whole virus scare? Yeah, um, I think it's pretty empty like most most places uh uh, it's just kind of ground to a halt, and um, you go to the grocery store, and that's where you see the most activity, and that's where you have the most paranoia too. I mean, yeah. I don't think many people are paying with cash right now. Yeah, I know. You think like I had? We had uh, pizza delivery, and I've got to be so careful right now, Tom. I, I mean, I'm in a group that has to be careful, and I'm like wiping down a bottle of pop with. You know, a Clorox wipe. I don't know where this bottle's been. Oh, right. It's, you get it gets a little nutty, but you got to be a little nutty at times like this. You know, my wife's looking at people bagging groceries and stuff, and she's like, "Where have they been? They're touching everything of ours." So right. And then last night I'm watching TV and I start coughing. Well, it's allergy season. <laughs> yeah, I but, know. but no, I'm I'm convinced. You know. <laughs> I know. It's so strange. I woke up uh, two nights ago, and it's allergy season, and I'd obviously probably been snoring because, and my throat hurt, and I'm like, I'm gonna die. You know, you just, it's just a little little tickle in your throat, and it's like I've got it. Uh, it's Ebola, and it's currently eating my organs. You know, you just you, you freak out and you panic, and and really, it doesn't take much to head to the worst case scenario. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And I'm trying to avoid that. But uh, this is just what we're the situation we're in. I'm, I am worried about uh, your toilet paper situation because you are full of crap. So are you good on toilet paper? <laughs> you seem to me to be a guy that would have 100 rolls of toilet paper and you've built it into like a throne. So you can just sit there and you're throwing a toilet paper. Well, it's funny you ask, because the other day when I was shopping, I found uh, a, a, a table in the back of the store, and there was a tarp covering whatever the contents were. I look under the tarp. It's a bunch of toilet paper they had not delivered yet, and it was in these things of 20 rolls where they would tear the plastic off and then sell them four at a time, but I didn't realize that until I got home with 20 rolls so we're we're good to oh, go man. for quite a while but i'm thinking of you know uh, price gouging and selling exactly yeah, exactly you could probably uh, you know five bucks a roll like a, we call it let's just hypothetically call it a dime bag um and sell it <laughs> maybe 10 bucks a roll i think it it would be uh, a good side business for you uh, hypothetically yeah <laughs> i can't believe that to me that is the worst stuff going on price gouging it's Unbelievable. Yeah. What well, was the guy in Tennessee that bought up all the, the hand sanitizer? Like he had 17,000 yeah. things of hand sanitizer, and Amazon shut and him down for price cap. Couldn't sell it. Good. Good. Yeah. And he it had to donate it. It's amazing, and it's really, 
it's stressful in our industry. I mean, it's much more stressful in other industries. Like if you're in the service industry and you're kind of out of a job, I feel for these people. We're sports people, though, and we're like, it's not like we're out of a job. We're still getting paid, but we're like, what the hell do we do with ourselves? We're useless. We're freakingly useless in these current times. And, you know, um, I hope that it doesn't lead to, you know, sports departments being scaled back because sports aren't going on. Um, but how, how about not, not just people who are working at restaurants, which you got to feel for them, obviously. How about someone trying to own a restaurant yeah. and that's such a small profit margin to begin yeah. with? And you're shut down for who knows how long. I yep. mean, probably a couple months, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, as someone pointed out, I was watching something. The the rent's going to come due April 1. Whether you're open or not, the rent is going to be due. And, right. you know, someone has to lapse their payment, you know, whether it's you as the owner or the landlord to the bank. Something's not going to get paid. Uh, and yeah. that's really when things will get scary because there'll be foreclosures, lawsuits. It's just going to kind of spiral and spin at that point. Well, how about the owner of the restaurant can't pay his employees and then turns around and can't pay his or her landlord? And yep. I mean, in every direction, it's, it's crazy. Well, hopefully we'll get this under control because I need sports. I think a lot of people need sports. And I know it was horrible canceling the NCAA tournament. It was traumatic and it was weird. It's just so weird right now not to have hoops on wall to wall. But, brother, if they touch football, if they have to get into canceling football, be it college or NFL, this country is going to be in a weird, weird situation. Because that, to me, you know, you're a baseball guy, but maybe even more than baseball is woven into the fabric of this society, particularly in urban areas. Oh, I think football definitely has surpassed baseball. There's no question about it. And. I mean, Sundays, that's a day of the week that they just own for a good portion of the year. What are people going to do? I mean, you'd say they're going to go back to church, but they're not even having church gatherings. So I I think that, geez, I would think it'll be all taken care of by then. And the earliest I would see baseball resuming maybe the All-Star break. Does that sound realistic or not? Yeah, I mean... This is crazy. This is crazy. And, you you know, I'm not going to certainly feel for a billionaire, but then you get into that and you've got to they've got to pay all their players and nobody will be going to games. I mean, a very few people will be going to games. Well, be safe at Kauffman Stadium. I mean, you can they've been socially distancing there for ever since they won the World Series. As soon as they went back in the tank, you're six feet from anyone else in the stadium. Anyhow, so it's right. How about about the players? Uh, when you come back and you're an autograph seeker, no thank you. I'm social distancing. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, there's already talk of NBA players possibly infecting a fan or maybe the fan infected the NBA player. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. It, I, I don't know. I'm, I've learned to learn something important here, Tom Keegan. I don't trust viruses. They're sneaky. They're up to something, man. They're They're sketchy. <laughs> You can't see him is is the cliche that's going around now. Yeah, the invisible enemy. I know. You know, and and after nine eleven or anything that we've gone through, you had something to focus on. Let's go get them. And now you're like, let's go get them. What? 
can I get a mask? Can I get some gloves? I mean, it's just that's what's uncertain and scary about it for me is you want to lash out at something and you're like, uh, it's a virus. We just well, nine eleven was kind of like that too because it wasn't a country. It was yeah, a, first time. Yeah, yeah, it was terrorists, that vague terrorists. But but you know the gloves. I've heard interesting things on that too. It's well, if gloves give people a false sense of security. Uh, I hand you money. I'm infected. I hand you money. You take the money and you're wearing your gloves and you shove it in your wallet. And then you, with the finger from that glove, yep. you rub your eye. You're yep. infected. So you, you basically, if you're going to handle things with gloves, everything you touch is one pair of gloves. You know, you got to take off your gloves and put on a new pair of gloves. Right. So what good do the gloves do? The gloves actually are a pretty good carrier of it, I would imagine. What if we started the Keegan and Fitz Glove Company? <laughs> you know, I mean, we could we could do rubber gloves. We could do – we could have the OJ line, gloves that are just a little bit too small. Well, OJ was having fun with this all. I, I saw that. OJ and Splitter, but he – was bragging as we all do when we win money on the golf course. We all have to. If you win two dollars, you tell a hundred people it's like winning two hundred dollars. So OJ showing all his Twitter followers that he won money on the golf course and was disinfecting the money uh, with uh, spraying the money to disinfect it, saying you can't be too careful. He is having the time of his life. Yeah, I saw a tweet of him. Leaving with a mask on, leaving like a Sam's, bunch of toilet paper and water. And, of course, the first reply was, did you remember the gloves? And I thought that was that was <laughs> awesome. You know, the, the the reason I follow him is the, the comments underneath are priceless. Unbelievable. He surely never reads them because or... Or he just doesn't care. I mean, he's just so adjusted to this life that he lives now. They didn't care that everyone thinks or knows or whatever the definition would be that he murdered people and got away with it. Um, right. I guess the worst would be, you know, the consensus is he did it. What if he didn't and he knows he didn't? I think as casual he is about it, it's kind of him saying, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I got away with it. I can't, you know. Oh, yeah. Either that or he's convinced that the real killers are on the driving range because all of his uh, Twitter posts come from the driving range. Oh, man. Uh, are you right. Do you golf as much now in Boston? Can you afford to golf in Boston? I have played golf twice, nine holes each time since moving to Boston Dude. almost a year and a half ago. How much did you play when you were in Lawrence, Kansas? hundred rounds a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would record our TV show on Sundays and you would come in on nice weather Sundays looking all tan and I'm like, what have you been doing? And you know, I got in 18 before the show. And I'm like, my God, <laughs> I got in some cold pizza. That's what I got I, in. I was probably lying. I probably actually played 36. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to seem like an addict. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honest officer, only had two beers. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tom, it's been great, buddy. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing well. And you, I know with your uh, medical history, you have to take extra caution. So. Yeah, it, it's really an opportunity uh, if someone wants to off me to, you know, 
just send someone to my house. This is a good way to sneaky assassinate Tim Fitzgerald. If uh, Scott has enough, Jim, nobody will. <laughs> yeah, Scott, my new co-host, he's uh, he dates he dates someone in medical school or is a doctor or something. I don't know. I I try not to get to know the people on the set too well because I don't care about them. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's actually getting medical advice from his significant other. I get advice on it's time to stand up and go to the bathroom because you haven't moved in two hours. That's wow. Are you still doing the show? Basketball season ended, so we shut it down last Sunday. Um, you know, from when we we're taping this, you know, Scott talked about doing another show, and I said, "Well, I'm kind of shut down after this. I'm on. I had an oncology visit in Kansas City on that Monday, and I have been locked down ever since." And I'm going to be this way for a while. I'm just going to. I'm sure you are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the podcast here. I'm calling everyone from home, my new home studio, and doing the best I can. And, you know, this might have a flutter or something or, you know, because we're doing via phone instead of in the same studio. But this is the world in which we live. Got to deal with it. Okay, brother. Love you, man. Hang in there. Do do good things in Boston. And I'm sorry that Tom Brady uh, moved to Florida like all old people. All right, good catching up with you. Okay, brother. Talk to you later. Tom is the best. And my only regret was we couldn't really get into some of the off-color stories from his days covering Major League Baseball. The man can tell a story in print or over a beer. Well, another episode's in the can, and Kansas City, which sits less than two hours to the east, is now locked down with COVID-19 concerns for at least a month. But we shall persist, and I will just keep calling my friends. Make sure you do the same, and make sure you get some fresh air along the way. Also, gentlemen over 45, please ask your doctor to check your PSA score. Tracking your PSA is the best way to beat prostate cancer. Take care, my friends. I'll talk to you real soon.